Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. We've been there or we know people that have been there. You have some unexpected, horrifying event that really changes your life in a moment. And our guest today is Maria Quibon Witzel. She's been through a, a, a tremendous tragedy, losing her husband, Sean. And through it, she has a, a story that was difficult to get through, but she turned something good into it. And that is coming together and writing this great book that kind of tells you how to deal with this. And boy, is it helpful to have. So the book is You Can't Do It Alone, A Widow's Journey Through Loss, Grief, and Life. Maria, you know, it is difficult and you really can't do this alone. It's just too hard to do. Yeah, you know, it's interesting what we've gone through, even as this country and this world in the last year with the pandemic. And, and, and it, there were a lot of parallels for me when we were going through our family and, and with Sean and handling his diagnosis with this feeling of, of being powerless and uh, just and it's so difficult uh, for people right now. I'm, I'm imagining that I've gone through loss. Uh, especially during this this quarantine time or this COVID time. Maybe you've, you've gone and lost someone through COVID, but just any loss during this time, you really can't do this alone. And that's the sad part. And, and we've all had to quarantine. So like the title of my book, You Can't Do It Alone, is just so applicable to what's going on right now. No question. And what I find fascinating is, on the one hand, you're grieving, it's a horrible time, but on the other hand, you don't want to always associate those memories of your great husband with that. So how do you balance that? Because, you know, it's hard not to get sad, but on the other hand, you got to remember the great times, too. Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, I know for me, uh, I get some help every day because my husband and I have a young son, and uh, so he was five at the time. Uh, when when Sean died, he had just turned five. So there really is no question every day that Gus, our little, uh, he's now 10, is a constant reminder of his father. So he does make me laugh, and I see all the wonderful things that were his dad. And so I'm reminded by by those wonderful memories, certainly every day. And also, it is a choice. You know, we are we do choose to talk about daddy memories and uh, we'll, we'll often do it you know just organically on a daily basis if not uh, just a memory will pop up or, or something and we'll inevitably talk about his, his dad and, and Sean and, and, and those particular memories. Well, and keeping a happy face is kind of what you do. I mean, you work on one of the best shows in Los Angeles, number two market in the country. Fox, you're the meteorologist in the morning. And I know, especially in the morning like that, you got to be happy and so forth because people are looking for you to get through the day. Is that kind of a challenge or did you find in a way it sort of helped because it kind of gets you through it? You know, you got to get you got to get through the day and it kind of helps you. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely did help me. A diagnosis like this, any loss that is so great uh, can paralyze you, certainly. For me, it, it did take that choice to, to get in my car, go to work every day, 
And it was sort of a getaway for me from, from the, the heaviness of home at the time. And then also even now, being able to sort of compartmentalize and leaving that that grief, uh, I guess, in my car before I got into the elevator and and then getting to work and putting on my work hat. Now, my job uh, is, is one of the better ones to have, certainly, uh, but also can be challenging, right? Because you're right. I have to get in front of the camera every day and I have to... Um, try to bring people uh, the weather, but but also it's kind of like the the happy moments often in the news. And I joke that my job is really the only part of the newscast that looks forward in time versus everyone else talking about what happened in the past, you know. So, yes, it's a challenge, but it also saved me because it allowed me to laugh and smile, even though it was sort of manufactured in the beginning inevitably it was it was really organic and real and and it didn't hurt that I worked with so many wonderful people and and they made it a point to always make me feel good make me laugh and our and our tv viewer family they did the same thing they would send me so kind so many kind messages of support and then even to this day now they're just uh so wonderful to me and I've kept tabs on me and my son you know five years later so appreciative and grateful for that. Well, you know, the Fox LA team, you guys have a good reputation. I remember watching that whenever you'd go on a business trip to LA or something, you'd get changed with that in the background. And it was always kind of, <laughs> from what I understand, it's kind of a real positive group. You guys seem to like each other. We do. I can honestly say that, that we really are friends uh, off the set. And we used to get together all the time, but... You know, right now we can't really, but uh, we take advantage of, of technology and we'll often have, you know, some cocktail hours on Zoom. And again, to, to bring the title of my book, You Can't Do It Alone, we really can't do this alone. We can't do life alone, you know. <laughs> yeah. So we have, we have to reach out and and take care of each other and, and use FaceTime and Zoom and, and technology to keep tabs on each other just to make sure we're all okay, especially now, especially during this time. Folks, you're going to love this book because as I went through it, you, you are going to cry. It is, it is tough to get through some parts, but the, but if you stick with it, and you should, it really gives you a, a feeling of redemption and you kind of show the power of just being able to work through this stuff. So kind of run us through, I mean, it's such a horrible story. All of a sudden, you get this, and it kind of came out of nowhere, this horrible diagnosis. Kind of talk about what happened. Yeah, sure. Uh my husband, Sean, and I, uh, you know, we met when we were a little bit older, so we really already kind of took life and, and really appreciated every day, and we had our child. Uh, we tried really hard to have Gus after we were married, and uh, we got a miracle, and we got a miracle baby having him in my 40s, and so we were finally able, the, the two of us, to get away to a vacation that we'd always wanted. And so when Gus was three, we thought, oh, he's old enough to, you know, stay home with my parents. And so Gus and I, or Sean and I went to Paris mm-hmm. on a, a much needed vacation. We both had never been to the city and we both worked a lot, you know, like many uh, homes, many two uh, working parent homes. So we didn't see each other too much leading up to our trip. So when we were on this trip, it was really, I realized the first time we were together 24-7 for, for quite a bit of time. So on this trip, I realized that he was acting kind of strangely. And he didn't get up before I did, which typically he would, because I 
a really treasured suite. As you know, working in, maybe you did the morning show for, for a while, but, you know, we're usually up at the crack of dawn, so we kind of shifts in the night. So when I saw him in Paris, like, he slept in, which is so unusual for him. He didn't plan our itinerary. He didn't write uh, a few pages like normally would. His profession, he was a, a writer professionally mm-hmm. on, on television, television shows. So I just found it strange that he wasn't doing that. He wasn't going to the gym and then, and then the really telltale sign for me was he was very strong. He was fit. He ate right. Um, he, he couldn't hail a cab for us. And he was someone who lived in New York for many years. That's where we got married. That's where we you know, had some amazing memories. So for this man, my strong husband, not to be to not get a cab, and that concept was just sort of missing for him during that time. And I just found that the most odd, odd behavior. So by the end of our trip in Paris, we were there for like 10 days, I, I was in tears. And, and I, you know, made him promise to see a doctor when we got back. And even he felt like something was wrong. Yeah. But we never dreamt in our lives that we would come home two weeks after we land. He does see his doctor, and then you get referred to, you know, different specialists. That, that we he would have an MRI uh, because they thought, oh, maybe he's depressed, and all his blood work came out well. And then there we were two weeks later in the doctor's office seeing these big tumors that were deep in his brain. And it was just, it was so, it was like a big truck hit with the both of us. And we could not believe that this was happening to us. And so we asked those questions of why, you know, why us? Why God? You know, we went to church. We ate while we were, we tried to help people. And, and we just, we couldn't help but remember that he was a writer. I wore a microphone every day. And maybe this was part of our purpose was to shine a light on glioblastoma, which is a disease that there is no cure for, and it can uh, get you, even if you are young or old, men, women, women, it, it can get you with no uh, real warning. And so I hope that someone can read this book and maybe be inspired to find a cure, finally. Oh, a- absolutely. And, you know, again, what this book does, it shines a light on that, which I think a lot of people don't think about it. There's nothing like being told you've got cancer, uh, particularly something like that where, you, like you say, there's no cure or anything. How long a period of time before you start saying, okay, we got to start making some plans or we, what are we going to do here? Because I imagine for a while you're just uh, shocked and you can't move. Yeah, it's paralyzing. I've, I've heard and I've seen people be paralyzed by diagnosis like this or any kind of tragic set of news. And, you know, between Sean and I and, and our faith, I mean, certainly Sean was, uh, he was actually better Catholic than I was, but he, I always took to him for the cues. And, you know, we did spend those moments of, of anger and we cried out and we were angry at God, but but we got around to realizing that, you know, maybe this is part of our purpose. And we we lived each day. We got there. It was a choice, but we did get to that place. And it's all in the book on how we were able to live each day like it was a month and each month as if it were a year. And with a diagnosis like Sean's, which was we were given months, really. If, if the doctors told him that if we did nothing, he would have maybe three months to be with us. And uh, if we were lucky, uh, you know, about a year. And so we tried everything. We, we changed our diet. We changed our lifestyle. And we got 18 months, uh, amazing months with, with him. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's one thing you get from the book, too. It's like, okay, this was horrible. We wish we didn't have to go through it. But you did make the best of it. And there was kind of a... In a weird sort of way, an encouraging thing, because I'm thinking 
those months, while difficult, obviously, how grateful can you be? And, you know, and to have that faith with you just gets you through, and, and you really can appreciate the time you're given. Absolutely. And the, the, the kind of relationships we had, of course, our family, who is, I mean, they are all, my white soul family, my, my, my own parents, my set of, of friends, and, and, and our work family, they all came together. And we were just astounded as to how much love and support we got. And you would be surprised, you know, if you asked for help, if you ask for something, people will come to you. And, and you know, we live in a society today where, you know, we, we pull our own bootstraps. We can do this ourselves. And especially as a woman, for me, a very independent woman, and to ask for, for help, you know, it, it, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's not something that we're used to. And, but we have to do it. And if you do, you will see how amazing people can really be and how amazing it feels to actually help other people. And, and I hope that the lessons we learned in this book, uh, by the way, we did, we did uh, partner up with a licensed therapist who, who yeah. helps to really, um, she, she extrapolates what we went through and she makes it more universal so that everyone can get something from our story. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Lauren Schneider, uh, and it, it, it's excellent because you can tell this is written. It, it's not only the actual activities and what happened there, but then piece by piece. So you can almost keep, well, you should keep this book kind of as a textbook because it sure could help anybody if you learn of a friend or family that has to go through anything remotely close to this. Especially if you have a child. You know, children they grieve differently. They process information differently. And I can't have done what we were able to do with our young son, who was three years old at the time, to explain to him what a cancer diagnosis was and what language to use. And our family therapist, uh, her name is Betsy. I mean, she was incredible and, and so integral and, and important to help us use the kind of language that a three and a four and a five-year-old would understand when we talk about death and, and cancer. We never, for example, we never use the words like, you know, your daddy's sick or, or he's not, because then they can get confused and, yeah. and, you know, kids want to know if they're going to be safe. So we were always told him that daddy had cancer, that mommy did not have cancer and that he didn't have cancer. So at a very young age, we were able to explain to him, you know, what was going on. And I'm so, so impressed by him, even today, how, how well adjusted he is. And we, of course, continue therapy. And I'm a strong advocate for that, no matter what, if you're going through a diagnosis or not. But, but mental health is so important. We couldn't have done this without our team, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, for Gus, I guess it's important not only to where you are now, but all the way until he's ready to fly, leave the nest. I guess as you get older, you get different things. And maybe as a teenager, you start questioning things again. So it's never just over after a year or so. No, 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 not at all. And the, the interesting thing about our story is that, you know, life has a funny way of preparing you for something that's going to happen in the future. And uh, for me, as, as a child, I was actually seven and a half. I was almost eight years old. And my own birth father uh, passed away. He, he died suddenly, though. That's the difference between Gus and myself. And so my, uh, my story was that... Um, when my dad died in an accident, I was, I, was, I was terrified as a kid, and I didn't know what was happening in our lives. My mother was very young at the time, so it was my brother and I, my younger brother. And so Sean and I um, wanted to make sure that Gus was never afraid 
or, you know, felt insecure about his life and his future. So that was, you know, something that was in the back of my mind. And we wanted to make sure that he uh, would never be afraid of anything. So, yeah, he was our number one priority. And finally, it just seemed, again, when you read this, you realize the great family bonds, not only just the three of you, which certainly are great, but your entire family and so forth. And that's really helpful going through this thing because people can lift other people up. Yeah, I'm I'm so grateful every day still. I mean, you know, Sean may have left us, but he uh, gifted me and Gus with uh, five brothers. Uh, he can he comes from a really large family, so there's there were six sons. His parents were six. I don't know how they did it, but uh, he has five brothers who are amazing uncles to Gus, and uh, they continuously I we see them almost every weekend, if not talk to them at some given point every day or every other day. And uh, they are in our lives, and, uh, you know, those family bonds are, are so important. Well, this book is important. You really want to get it. It's called You Can't Do It Alone, A Widow's Journey Through Loss, Grief, and Life After. And I think it's really important to let people know, Maria, that while this is a very sad story, obviously anybody having to go through this, it's 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 more promising because there's a lot of hope, and I'll let you know that it, you know these things happen in life, and if they are going to happen, there are ways to deal with it. And anybody that's been through it and learned that way, it's just great that you're sharing it with the world. Thank you so much. I really so appreciate that. You know, many people can relate to um, my story, and that there's such heartbreak for us, and my heart is is broken into a million pieces, and we keep moving forward. But it's these. Um, interviews that I do and I talk about the book and whatever someone says that the book has helped them in some way, it helps to heal my heart. And uh, this is I know this is part of our purpose and I, I hope that anyone who reads this will find their sense of purpose as well. I grew up a Catholic like you. You know, I'm a priest I'm sure have told you, you know, this is don't worry, we're going to a better place and we got to believe them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and I've had many talks with our, our priest here, Father Eric Father John and, and and Father Frank. I mean, there's so many um, that have. We live very close to our church too, so they were always here at our house, and I was so grateful for that. We pray together, and and even though they don't have all the answers, you know, I have I had so many questions during that time. Like, why? You know, why? <laughs> um, I I know that we're going to have our opportunity at some point, but you know, Sean made sure before he left that we understood how much he loved us and how much loved. He, how loved he was, yeah. and you know he, he he reminds me and Gus every day that uh, we still have long lives to live, and 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 so we keep living and we keep fighting for him now, and so uh, we strive to uh, continue to find joy and choose joy and choose choose happiness. Well, I wish you and Gus nothing but the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show, and I look forward to seeing you. You're only in Vegas, so we're so close, and I hope I get to, to meet you in person one of these days. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com.
E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. And I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. That's 310-534-4180. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, 310-534-4180. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com.